What is up, team? Welcome back to the Red Storm Rapid Reaction Podcast. I'm Pat Kane. It is May 15th, and St. John's finds itself with a full, complete 13-man roster. Rick Pitino took little time to get things going. Once he did, he has really rounded out this roster, adding five really talented guys to complete his, his uh, first two months here as the head coach of St. John's. And these last two additions today, me and my good friend Cole Latchar are going to discuss Jordan Dingle and Zuby Ojafor. I'm going to go ahead and you know get that pronunciation wrong now and probably a few more times today. But needless to say, we're excited to see both of them. Cole, how you feeling today? Fantastic. On top of the world. Master <laughs> Chef Rick Patino put together a four four course masterpiece. So like, dude, couldn't be happier. I think you know uh, this team has I, expectations have risen dramatically since the last time we spoke. <laughs> Absolutely, right? That it kind of signifies that in my mind. You know, it's time to really start talking about expectation, and that's a good thing. But you know, what are we going to do as St. John's fans for the next four months now that this roster is complete? I mean, are we going to have to like tune into 2024 high school recruits? You know, that's that's not that's something that St. John's fans haven't had to do in a while is look forward to high school recruiting. But I guess with the roster complete and the transfer portal pretty much wrapped up, you might have to dig out the old rivals one top one fifty and start doing some scouting call. I'm gonna drool over that depth chart graphic that you're gonna post later and I'm gonna sit there and watch highlight videos nonstop until November. I'm sure there's gonna be plenty of disagreements there. That's the beauty about this this roster. A lot of that's complete. We can imagine all the different possibilities the scenarios the lineups and you know there's not one right answer right now i'm sure coach patino doesn't have the the complete answer right now but the possibilities are endless and as a fan i love having that that discussion on the board and and there's no wrong answers unless it includes not having jordan dingle or joel soriano in your top five other than that there's there's no wrong answers um yeah we'll get going we'll talk the two most recent additions um well if if anyone listened to, to Dave's podcast, he put out this weekend, uh, the Iron Storm podcast. I joined him along with um, Zach Braziller and Frank, Frank in general from uh, Twitter. I'm sure most of you guys who listen to me are uh, both, you know, acquainted with those two guys, huge St. John's content creators. And then, of course, Dave does a great job with his podcast. And we discussed the Jordan Dingle acquisition and how big that was for St. John's and how it kind of, like you just said, Cole, signifies a uh, – a new mark in terms of what St. John's can expect for the coming season. All right. So let's just go ahead and continue that discussion. We'll talk about uh, one Jordan Dingle. Uh, Jordan J- Dingle is a 6'3 senior guard, a, a transfer from UPenn. Last year, he was second in the country in scoring at 23.4 points a game, 3.6 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 0.8 steals. He shot 45% from the field. 34, 34% from three, and a staggering 86% from the free throw line. Uh, some of his most prominent skills, he is a bucket getter. In any way possible, this guy can score, 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 and he can score some more. In the pick and roll, he's a dangerous weapon, uh, whether attacking for himself or finding an open man. Uh, he handles the ball as good as any lead guard in the country, although he might not be a you know the typical facilitator for for a point guard, he can handle as well as anyone and, can, and score as well as any two guard. He's uh, got a strong physical frame stepping up in the competition level. Shouldn't be too much of a challenge in terms of strength and physicality. And he is a closer, you know, a Mariana Rivera type closer, a guy who can come in, take care of the basketball, get to the line, finish off games and put teams to sleep with his ability to get to the line and make shots. He was the Ivy League Player of the Year. His father, Dana, runs the New Heights Lightning AU program and was a standout at UMass under John Calperi. 
Um, he shot 56% from two-point field goal last year. So not only can he score from the perimeter, but he can get to the rim and finish well. He had 18 games with five-plus free throw attempts, 22 altogether by our 10 exits from St. John's last year. Combined for 22 games with five-plus free throw attempts, he had 18 himself. Just shows, you know, how uh, the penchant he has for getting to the free throw line. Three-plus threes in 40%, 47% of his career games and 15-plus points in 73% of his career games. And I say this guy was a bucket getter. He is a complete game changer, a guard who can score with anyone in the country, do it in any way imaginable, will make everyone around him's job much easier next year at St. John's. And he sets the tone, as Cole said, for expectations in Rick Pitino's first year. Oh, excuse me. Cole, I almost ran out of words there for everything to, to say about Jordan Dingle. Your thoughts on Jordan Dingle. Dude, I, I wrote just gets buckets. I think with that end of conversation, we can move on to, to Zuby. Uh, dude, I, I think <laughs> you mentioned, um, you know, we can talk all about, you know, what a great player he is and how pumped we are and how much this changes expectations. But I, I think also, like you said, one of the important things is to keep in mind also Rick making that connection with the AAU program with his father. So, I mean, that that's humongous to make more local connections, not like Rick needs more connections, but... Um, so I, I just wrote down a few things, um, like I said, gets buckets, his ability creates off the dribble. Uh, he's a very good three, very good, very capable three point shooter. Um, I was listening to our friend Aaron Torres's podcast. Um, and he mentioned, um, 23 points per game, obviously last year, he would think maybe that could translate to like 16, 17 in the big East. He thinks that's very reasonable. Um, uh, Jordan's ability to score at the rim shot 58% on, you know, shots in and around the rim last year. He's has a great mid range pull up shot from the two elbows. He seems to very much like that. Uh, I also wrote down some of his numbers against like high major competition. Um, obviously plays Nova every single year, 25 points last year, 21 in his sophomore year, 18 as a freshman. Uh, last year they played at Mizzou was another good team, 18 points there. Plays Temple every single year, 30, 22, 15 as a freshman. Uh, as a sophomore, they played at Florida State. Uh, he put up, uh, I think, 24 – I'm sorry, 23 in that game. 24 in his very first game as a freshman at Alabama. I think that was Nate Oates' first year. Um, and then probably the most important game was uh, at Iona last year. I think he put up 16. So Rick's seen firsthand what he can do. Um, the only real negative thing that I can see, I, I think he, uh, we can talk positional versatility is a world now that I love with uh, RJ Louise and uh, Glenn Taylor. I think print the shorts. <laughs> yeah, print them up. Red Storm <laughs> Rapid Reaction Podcast trademarks it. Um, I think uh, I, I think Jordan will probably be asked to handle the ball a little tiny bit. Obviously, he'll play a lot of shooting guard, um, but I think you know he's capable enough to be able to handle the ball. So you know, should Dennis need a spell, um, we can get a little bit of a uh, little run with him at the point guard. The only problem there, I think, um, you you showed the two point three assists per game last year. I think his turnovers were close to that. I think maybe at one point nine last year. Um, looking at some of the games, I think he had uh, seven turnovers against Nova last year and seven on that road game against Mizzou so that's the yeah. only the only potential negative is you know and obviously we have the best coach arguably in the world in college basketball so I think he might be a being not, not turning it over this year but definitely to hold, to hold Dingle the 16 points you got to be a heck of a coach right and so we uh, <laughs> right. credit to coach Patino and credit to, to Jordan Dingle there Cole great stuff um I, I agree with a lot you said 
the one, you know, question mark is him as a facilitator. And of course, we're going to lean uh, on um, Dennis Jenkins as as a primary point guard this year. And if he's capable to be a 25 minute or so, um, you know, starting point guard in the Big East, I think I'm speaking of Dennis right now. I think that means that we're going to have a hell of a season. Um, I'm not saying it's incapable. I'm not saying uh, it's definitely going to happen. I think that's a little bit up in the air. Um, I like our chances. I'm, I'm totally willing to roll the dice there with Dennis and his familiarity with coach. Um, but the two of them together, I, I, I asked I asked Zach on uh, Dave's podcast if the staff had expressed like the dialogue, whether or not they've told Jordan he'll be the lead guard or a combo guard, you know, with his pro aspirations, he might he might want to handle the ball more. And he said he he expects them to be used kind of like how Dennis and um, Walter Clayton were used at Iona, you know, in unison, uh, split the split the role. Uh, maybe one guy leans more towards being the point. One guy leads more towards being the score. But a lot of, you know, combination sharing of, of responsibilities and, and both guys able to initiate offense. So I think it's kind of easy to see the bones of this roster kind of matching up to what Rick had last year with, um, you know, we've got our big man, Joel. We've got our score in Dingle. we got our point guard in Dennis, whereas he had his big man in Nelly Jr. Joseph. He had his score in Walter Clayton. He had his point guard in Dennis, and he felt, fit his team around there. So you can kind of see, you know, we're, we're good up the middle, to use a baseball reference, and, and if you're good up the middle, you're going to be pretty good. Um, so I have turned from being cautiously optimistic to, to almost feeling like you have to have some level of expectations if you're going to have two fifth-year seniors uh, like Soriano and Dingle on your team. You know, you, you got to take advantage of that. I'm not. I'm not by no means setting a, a bar that uh, I want to. You know, will crucify Coach Patino later for not reaching. But I think it's reasonable to expect uh, we should have expectations going into the season to to be an NCAA tournament team. Hundred percent agree. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Jordan Dingle, we are excited to see you. Uh, perhaps with a C on your chest come next November. Uh, let's talk about the addition, the latest addition today on a Monday. We thought we might get to, you know, midweek before it's our last commitment, but Trilly made the, the shot, sat up the, or shot up the bad signal, and then we knew it was coming. Zuby Ejafor, all right, uh, if you keep track, and I think that's my second mispronunciation, a 6'9 sophomore from Kansas, a, uh, a transfer from an elite program. Uh, last year, in very limited minutes, he averaged 1.2 points a game, 1.7 rebounds a game, 0.2 assists, 0.6 blocks. He shot 65% from the field and 50% from the free throw line on limited attempts. Uh, he's a big athletic forward. He's got the size we need to back up Joel in, this, in the paint. And don't forget that Kansas wanted him. All right. He was a top 50 recruit out of high school in Texas, our fourth transfer coming in from Texas this, this season. Um, he had a 19.1 rebounding rate last year. Joel, for reference, was 20.9. So neck and neck right there. Goes to show you in his limited minutes, Zuby had a knack for uh, collecting rebounds. And his, his per 40 minutes, um, obviously we said he played limited minutes, but his per 40, 13.4 rebounds, 4.7 blocks, and 9.7 points. So, of course, you can't, you can't just take that for what it's worth. Um, extrapolate those minutes out to what he would play, and those were what, that's what it came out of. It doesn't mean it's in actuality the type of performer he would be, but it shows you what he's capable of. I think he is the backup center interior option the roster needed to be complete. He comes with a year under his belt, learning from one of the best coaches in the country in Bill Self. He was highly regarded out of the high out of high school, and he comes with three years left of eligibility. Super excited for Zuby. Super glad we, we've got a roster complete. Cole, your thoughts on Zuby? I love. I know you're a stat man. I love that uh, per forty minute averages. I think that was Kevin Connolly that posted that on Twitter. <laughs> like I was simultaneously. Shout out to Kevin. I didn't. I didn't see him, but shout greatest, out to him. Simultaneously, one of the greatest stats and dumbest tweets I've ever seen in my entire. Wow. Life. 
Shots fired. Uh, I, I'm so pumped for Zuby. I love him. It seems every, from everything I've seen about him, it seems like he's a great kid also, which is just awesome. And, and Rick has already gone on record as saying that. So just awesome that to know that we'll have just good human beings to root for on this team on top of amazing players. Uh, we can say the phrase positional versatility again, uh, you know, big 6'9", 240 combo forward who could you know potentially see time at the four and bigger lineups, but then obviously will be desperately needed backup center for Joel. God forbid anything happens to the El Capitan or, uh, you know, he uh, needs to spell. So, you know, it's great to have some, some insurance for that. Uh, rebounder, rim protector, rim runner, like I, I awesome uber athlete so yeah super super pumped to have zuby on board um i was watching a lot of highlight tape that's available online on youtube um specifically highlights of their game against indiana which i think it was kansas was number eight at the time and indiana was number 14. uh zuby got his most minutes of the year in that game he played for 12 minutes pretty much mostly in like a backup center capacity um and was insanely active watching all of that time all the clips from all this time in the game constantly setting screens on offense uh constantly like going after rebounds uh i think he finished with eight points two rebounds one block uh all of his points kind of came off of a pick and roll action with the ball handler and then the big man on defense committing to the ball handler and zuby rolling and getting lob dunks he had three three lob dunks and then another basket was on an offensive rebound put back uh so uh, Awesome to know that he can play and be so productive against high-level competition. Uh, I would say the only negative, like, and, you know, you can put negative in quotes because this might be a good thing when you have a coach like Rick Pitino, but he's obviously very, very raw. He's still sort of, you know, learning the game of basketball and developing, his, especially his defensive instincts. Sort of a, a blank canvas is the way 247 explained him and it's coming, sure. out, of, coming out of a – High school. So uh, I think if you had a coach who can really, really develop guys, and uh, I think we certainly do have that, then it might be a good thing to have a guy who's a blank. Rick can get his uh, molding on. Um, I, I haven't done my deep dive yet on, on the film too much yet, but Cole, seeing as a, you, you spent a lot of your t time today doing such, for a, for a pessimist of St. John's fan that might be out there, not myself, but someone who might be out there, how can you convince them to not be worried that we might be having – I don't know, another Arnoldo Toro or Ian Steer or C.D. Keita. I mean, can you convince them that Zuby is going to be a difference maker and not the next line of transfer up once promising recruit decided to come after a, a, a few years at a, at a bigger conference? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but all those players that you just listed were transferring up in competition coming to St. John's that they were coming from like an Arnoldo Toro from like a George Washington. Like they are coming from a lower level university to St. John's and playing against higher level competition. Ian Steer was NC State. So NC I mean NC State. I mean Kansas is the pinnacle, but I mean yeah, NC State and then CDK was South Carolina, I believe. My point but, um, is that and you mentioned it, Kansas really wanted him to stay. Um and they obviously when you get a chance at Hunter Dickinson and you know you get him, then stuff's gonna there's gonna be other dominoes that fall. And I think Zuby was a casualty of that, but they were hoping to keep him stay. I again watching that Indiana game, uh, Dick Vitale was talking about conversations that he had with Bill Self and Bill Self was very big on singing the praises of Zuby and said that he thought he could be a real contributor and potential oh, nice. like all league player by like his junior year, junior senior year. Gotcha. So I mean it, it obviously like 
I don't think we can be pessimistic about a guy that Rick Pitino identifies as a high level player and that some of that he can mold and, and yeah. create to be very valuable. But you also have another coach like Bill Self as if Rick Pitino's opinion alone was not good enough. You know, we can also add Bill Self's opinion. So. Sure. Sure. And I just want to be clear. I'm not I'm not saying he's going to be like those three guys where I just want to show a, a side of caution, guys. This isn't the surefire, you know, big time performer. He comes with a little bit of uh, question marks, you know, as any any freshman with limited minutes does. But I'm, I'm willing to take the chance, I think, even if he's only capable to give 10, 12, 15 minutes as the backup five next year. I don't think that's reason not to be excited. I think that's reason to be happy. I, I think that could be the difference between being a a decent team and a good team or a dis difference between being a good team or a great team. Um, look at UConn last year with Clegane. I, he only played about 10 minutes a game in Big East play, and he made a huge impact uh, in those 10 minutes. And without him, UConn is a completely different team, at least in my opinion, and, and not a national champion. I, I don't think so. So 10 minutes a game at the center position, especially with limited options otherwise, could be the difference between a tournament team or not a tournament team. So very excited for Zuby, and I hope to see him live up to his potential at a high school. Um, I, I mentioned, Cole mentioned it earlier. I got a depth chart update. Again, this is my first rundown here with 13 players, and no one knows it's going to happen. So have at it. Share your opinion. Let me know I'm an idiot or, or, or a genius. Either way, I, I think you're, you're probably wrong both, both ways. But um, I've got Dennis starting at the point guard. I got Dingle starting at the two guard. I've got um, some combination at the three, four of Taylor and Luis starting at the three, four, um, whether that's Luis or Taylor or Taylor and Luis is up for um, debate. Uh, who knows? And then I've got Joel starting at the center. I think you'll see a bunch of combinations at that three, four spot. I think Aline, although I've got listed him as a two here, I see him um, as a better fit as a three alongside two guards who can really handle the ball. Um, they're just, it's hard with this chart I got here to, to fit them all in one slot. And I didn't want to list them all a bunch uh, two or three times. So I think Aline will get minutes at the two and the three. I think Lewis will get minutes at two, three, four. I think Taylor, the two, three, four. I think Slazinski at the four. I don't foresee him getting many minutes at the three with the roster we have. And I think Elijah four will get primarily back at minutes at the five, occasionally some minutes at the four. Um, but options are plenty. Cole, what do you think here about the depth chart? Looking through this, I don't really necessarily think I disagree with anything that you have here. I, like like you sort of mentioned when running through it, the only changes I would make are just guys being repeated at different positions, which, you know, you just didn't have enough room to sort of fit it in. Oh, I think Naheem, like you said, would play a lot sometime at the three in smaller lineups. Uh, you know, Taylor obviously playing both the three and the four. Same thing with RJ, three and the four. Um, I know it was mentioned, um, I think, in Brazilers' article when Dunlap first signed. I, I don't think it would happen this year, but maybe ultimately the goal is to have him put on a little bit more weight and be more of like a stretch four um, or at least be able to play some time at the stretch four. Um, I obviously don't think that'll happen as a freshman and envision him getting most of his time at the three. Um, and then like we were just talking about with Zuby, I, I think he can spend, play a little bit of time at the four playing in bigger lineups and then obviously be the, the real ultimate backup to, for Joel. Um, the only thing I would say to that is I question whether or not Zuby and Joel would share, would be able to sort of share time on, on the court, how that exactly would work. I, I think they will do that. Um, just how Rick draws that up exactly is a little not like clear to yeah. me at this point just from watching him play like specifically like i said that indiana game it seemed like 
Kansas really used him in the backup center role and really setting a lot of ball screens and stuff. So I, I would wonder how the spacing would work with him and Joel on the court at the same time. But I think we will see it. So you know, I'll be interested yeah. to see what Rick it's, does. But. It's a good option to have. Even if we don't see it a lot, it's a good thing to be able to go to in the, in the times you might have to go big. Um, at Iona, Rick did play pretty big last year with Nelly Jr. Joseph and sometimes next to that seven-footer Seema or Seamy or something like that. I'm, I forget his name, but he played Nelly Jr. Joseph at the four sometimes and went real big. And perhaps, you know, you can make up with some of the stuff you won't get beat with in the Big East play with just being that that much bigger than your opponent. But he has he has shown the propensity, especially at times in Louisville, to play legit power forwards that are more interior presences. So um, I think he will work it in there. I, I don't envision it, like you said, to be a, a primary look where he's playing a lot of minutes at the four next to Joel. But still, I mean, the the fact he's got three years kind of is the, is the cherry on top for me because Joel is going to graduate, and even if you get limited limited impact from um, Zuby this year, he's a guy who's got pedigree as a as a big time recruit. He's been at Kansas. He's seen what it takes to play at the highest level, and you know, hopefully, even if it's a year or two from now, you've got another interior presence. You don't have to fill up a whole other cupboard again. You know. So I think the benefits far outweigh any type of risk. And like we said before, it wasn't going to be easy to fill this last scholarship. No one you had Joel there getting, you know, hopefully 30 minutes a game at the center spot. Um, did you see uh, Michigan will be a home game that was announced. It'll be the, the return game from our Big Ten game last year against Nebraska. We'll get a home game versus Michigan at the Garden. Um, I'm not sure if you guys listened to the spaces yesterday that Frank had on Twitter. Um, credit credit to him and credit to to Mike Craig for going on there and taking questions. It was it was really informative. I'm pretty sure you can find the recording on Twitter. Frank in general, um, I'm sure you guys know who I'm referencing. There, he's a the human tweet wave himself. The guy's a monster, and um, it's good stuff. And credit to Craig. I, I, I was surprised when he was coming on there. I was like, does this guy know what he's getting into? But you know, credit to our fans as well for for keeping it pretty tame and asking some legit questions. He mentioned how you know tickets were f- through the roof. He mentioned, you know, just, you know, he was pretty brief about it, but how intense Patino is as a coach and how dialed in he is and how he reminds him of Coach K, obviously some things you'd expect him to hear or expect him to say. But needless to say, it was a good listen. If you guys guys who are starving for St. John's content, I suggest you go ahead and find that. Listen to the podcast Dave put out this weekend, I the Storm podcast. Um, we're over a 1,000 subscriptions on YouTube, so the St. John's content sphere is just bubbling right now, and that's a thanks to all the fans who – We'll make it that way. So big shout out to you. Big shout out to Cole, who's finally on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. Look, he's even C-Latch1014. You know where to find him. Um, Cole, any any closing thoughts? Nah, man, just really excited. I can't wait for November. Like, is when's the tip-off? Like, can we get this going now? Um, I think yesterday uh, in the spaces, Craig mentioned that that Michigan game, that Big Ten game, is going to be the first game at the Garden. Uh, I think November thirteenth is the day. I, I I just can't wait for that. The Garden is going to be electric, especially after seeing like what the Knicks did in the playoffs. Like I, I think it's always cool when the Knicks are are big and going, and St. John's is big in the same time. And New York is just you know such a great basketball town. Like it's November thirteenth. Absolutely. Sorry, I'm going to make a trip. I'm going to have to make it. But uh, can I can I risk ruining Patino's opening game at MSG by me showing up and? And bringing the curse that I am, I think I got to sit that one out. I'll I know you have a, 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 a bad track record of a in-person attendance. Terrible, terrible. So. terrible. But anyway, it's a new era in St. John's. Rick Pitino's at the helm, and all that bad, 
you know, Juju is is out the window, and uh, we're we're looking forward. Uh, even Cole, you can't you fix this, man. Even <laughs> no, even me, even me can't screw this up. Uh, Cole, thank you very much, uh, fans. Thanks for tuning in. Please listen, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. I interact on Twitter. Follow Cole. Um, for Joel Soriano, this has been the Red Storm Rapid Reaction Podcast. I'm Pat Kane. That's Cole Ladshaw. Peace.